I don't know about you. But tonight, I am particularly excited about what God is going to do amongst us. Because when we look at this story we've been looking on the last two days, and sometimes we call it the, the, the parable of the prodigal son, but actually we can call it the parable of the compassionate father. Because at the heart of the story is the compassionate heart of the father. It's not about whether the younger son is good or the older one is bad. No, no. The only good person in this parable is the father. The absolute good we see in this passage is the heart of the father. It's the compassionate heart of this father towards his two sons. So we're quickly going to go back again and read the... Just to remind us again, if you want to open your Bibles, we go to Luke chapter 15. We're going to read from verse 11 to 32. And then once I finish reading, I'm going to actually invite, we, we've got a special guest tonight amongst us who are going to be just bringing some songs to us, uh, Femi and Lady. I don't know if there's any of you who's probably watched uh, BBC Songs of Praise, you might recognize this. I don't know if there's anybody here who's been following that competition about the choir. Uh, and Femi and Lady, um, and Lady actually led the choir that won that competition. And so they're going to be bringing just uh, uh, some songs to us before I then come and, and speak. But let's just go through the passage. So, and instead there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the youngest son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pots that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Next. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. It was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he had music and dancing. 
And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, this many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Amen. Restless love, and um, I think it's just very fitting because it talks about God's love and how He would decide to leave the 99 ships and then just go after one, just in search of that one person. And um, I just hope and pray that we feel God's love even as we listen to this song. And I'll be looking at the words on my phone, so if you don't mind. God. 
When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. And you have been so, so good to me. Has God been good to you? When I felt no worth, you breathed your life in me. You paid it all for me, Lord. And you've been so, so kind to me. And all the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found. Leaves the 99, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it, but still, still you give yourself away. All the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And this part says there's nothing God cannot do just to bring you back into his love. There's no shadow you wouldn't light up, mountain you wouldn't climb up, coming after me. I don't know if the words are there, but it's very simple. There's no wall you wouldn't kick down, lie you wouldn't tear down, coming after me. You can just sing along if you know it. There's no shadow you wouldn't light up, mountain you wouldn't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall he won't kick down, no wall he won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow he won't light up, mountain he won't climb up, coming after you. There's no wall he won't kick down, lie he won't tear down, coming after you. It's all the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down. I still am found, leaves the 99, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, but still he gave himself away, all the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. God every day Amen 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 It's a privilege to be here today um, I woke up this morning it's been a very busy couple of days, and I had this, um, in fact, I could not sing a note. My voice was gone. I said, you voice, listen. I have to be here tonight. <laughs> so it's a very big privilege to be here. 
How many of us love uh, my Jesus? My Jesus. My Jesus. Amen. Is there anybody here who loves my Jesus? Anybody here who loves my Lord? I want to know if you love my Jesus. I want to know if you love my God. Is there anybody here who loves my Jesus? Anybody here who loves my Lord? I want to know if you love my Jesus. I want to know if you love my Lord. When I was blind and could not see, King Jesus brought the light to me. When every star refused to shine, I know King Jesus will be mine. Is there anybody here who loves my Jesus? Anybody here who loves my Lord, I want to know if you love my Jesus. I want to know if you love my Lord. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling. For you and for me. See on the porters is waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home. You are we. Come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. Oh, for the wonderful love He has promised, promised. For you and for me, though we have sinned, yet he has mercy to share with us. Pardon for you and for me. Come home, come home, you are weary. Come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. Sometimes we wander off from God, just like the prodigal son. We go very far from him, but he's always there calling unto us, come home come home. I don't know if you've gone far from Jesus. I don't know if you've gone very far from him. Tonight, Jesus is saying, come home. He's saying to you, come home. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your past. But he's saying to you, come home. Come home. Come home. God bless you.
Father, we honor you tonight, Lord. Lord, there's nobody who is worthy to stand before your throne, Lord. None of us can represent the Father, heart of God. Because you are the perfect Father, Lord. We can try, Lord, because we know your heart is that we become like you. Be you perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Your desire is that we come and we become like you. That's your ultimate design and desire. That's the delight of your heart, Lord. But Lord, tonight, Lord, we, we don't want to lose sight of the awesome wonder of your love. That reckless love that chases us, that abandons everything and comes after us. That reckless love that is not compelling, is not demanding, but entreats us. Entreats us and asks us to come. Come home. Home where you are prepared a place for us, a place of safety, a place of comfort. A place where we know your security. A place where we know your protection. A place where we know your cleansing. Where we know your sanctifying power. A place where we behold your face. We see you for who you truly are. And as we see you, we reflect your glory, Lord. Because if we cannot see you, we cannot reflect your glory. And you call us to come home. Come into the heart of intimacy with you. So that you can reveal your heart to us. And so that we can reveal your heart to our world, Lord. So, Father, tonight, I I just pray, Lord, I cannot, I cannot reveal you in the trueness of who you are. In the splendor of your majesty. And I pray, Lord, will you just inhabit my words tonight. Holy Spirit, I just give you room. I just hand this meeting to you. Will you reveal the Father? Will you speak into hearts in a way that only you can? Only you can. Will you, will you remind us? Will you take us back to that place where we first met you? Where we first loved you? Will you rekindle your love afresh in our hearts for you, Jesus? Lord, will you give us a fresh revelation of our Father's heart for us? Thank you because your love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you, will you just Increase that love. Will you increase the revelation of that love? Will you increase the power of that love? Will you increase the strength of that love? Will you increase the convicting power of the love of God and the power of God upon us right now, Lord, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Lord, tonight is all about you, Lord. As we read in that scripture, your glory you will share with no other, Lord. Lord, in this place tonight... We will stop away, Lord. And we ask, Lord, reveal your glory. Come in the splendor of your majesty. Come reveal your heart. Come be glorified as we gather before you, Jesus. And let your name be glorified, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to be here tonight, Lord. And we ask as we come, Lord, will you just touch us afresh, Holy Spirit. When you come, the Bible says you will reveal Jesus. And Lord, tonight we want to see you for who you truly are, Lord. We want to see the beauty of the majesty of our living God.
And Lord, we, we say we, we want to come home, Lord. Our heart says, welcome, Lord Jesus. Welcome into the home of our hearts, Lord, and be glorified in Jesus' name. As we've looked at the last two days, when we've looked at the story of the younger son and the older son, and I said at my introduction, in the oldest and the younger son, we see that visible rebellion and just moving away from the father. And some of us can relate to that. Some of us may not necessarily relate to that. But even in that state, we still see the compassionate heart of the father reaching for the son. As soon as he came back to his senses and turned to go back to his father, the father met him. Even though he had prepared a speech... And he was content to just be a hired help in his father's house. But even before he could utter what he wanted to say, the father's love reached out to him. And restored him back to the place where he thought he didn't deserve. The father's love is always there. He's always ready. He's longing to meet with us and to bring restoration. But the older son who had been faithful, dutiful, obedient, but had lost the joy of serving his father, had lost the intimacy that the service of God, of the father, had become a servitude and a boarding that has raised a lot of resentment and anger because it could just not comprehend how other people can get away with doing so little when he's just slaving away for his father's work. And so he was at home, but his heart had become cold. It lost the passion. It lost the joy of being in his father's house. Even though he shared the same space with the father, but his heart was cold and the heart was not receptive to what the father was doing. And that clouded his understanding. That clouded his perception. So he saw the father's act in receiving the younger brother home almost as a disloyal and as a betrayal. Almost as a way of the father throwing it in his face and saying, I don't care about you. I prefer my younger son and I don't care what you do. And that was a complete misunderstanding and misjudgment of his father's heart. And just as the father ran to the younger son, he runs to the older son because he was outside in the dark, in the cold, where there was warmth and celebration and joy and he could not partake of it. So even though in this father's house, but yet he was in the cold, he was in a place where he could not lay hold of the joy that the father had to provide. And he entreated even the older brother and he reminded him of the truth of God's word. It spoke the truth to dispel the lies and the fears that resentment and pride and anger had brought forth. And it says, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. And you've always been with me. And he entreated him, will you come in? Will you come in? Will you come in and share in the joy of the restoration? Because for the father's heart, he wanted his two sons restored back to himself. That's the heart of the father. That's the compassion of this God we're talking about. And there's so many things we can say about the compassionate heart of God. And as I was preparing tonight, the Lord was reminding me of my own story. I lost my father when I was three. I actually have no recollection of my heavenly father. 
Because due to various things, I don't actually have any memory that I can reach back into and say, yes, this is my father. And as I grew up, I struggled with that. I struggled with not having a father, not knowing who my father was. Just, 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 and, 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 and because of the circumstance of losing my dad, it had such a huge implication for my poor mom, and I had a lot of financial difficulties for us. So we, we, we went through a period of lack. And I almost, in my heart, blamed my mom for that. Almost like the older son. I looked into that situation and all I could see was the, 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 my own needs unmet. And I therefore felt the world is unfair and I don't have to be fair to anybody. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm wicked or if I, if I act, you know, callousness to anybody, I was justified. Because life wasn't fair to me, why should I be fair to anybody? And I remember I used to look at some of my friends who were very comfortable and I say, oh, I wish I could just do something to cause you a little bit of pain so that you can just get an idea of the kind of pain I'm going through. And I thought there was a justification for that. And when I gave my heart to the Lord, one of the things that drew me was the guy was talking about the father heart of God. And he was saying, God can be a father to you much better than your earthly fathers could ever be. And that caught my attention. Because all I ever wanted was to know the love of a father. And he says, this God that I'm bringing to you, it can be to you better than 10,000 earthly fathers. And I said, Lord, if that is true, I want that. If that is true, I want to know that. And I said, I'm going to give my heart to you, Jesus. And he used an illustration of a stray dogs and a pet dog. And I said, a stray dog is just on the streets. Nobody cares about it. Anything can happen to it. But when you see a pet dog, it's well nurtured, it's well cared for. Even if you don't like dogs like me, and the, and the, and the owner of the dog is working with the dog, and it comes like you pretend you like the dog because you can't afford to mistreat the dog. Otherwise, the owner will be very upset with you. But if it's a stray dog, you can just shout and throw something at him and just kick him away and just head off. And that caught my attention. And when I gave my heart to the Lord, the first thing he did for me was to put his finger on my heart And it gave me a fresh understanding of my family situation. For the first time in my life, I looked at my mom and I realized this is a woman who lost her husband in the prime of her life. Left with three children. No means of livelihood. She gave up her life and labored to make provisions to the best of her ability for those three kids. It might not be glamorous, it might not be great, but it was a great sacrifice at a great cost to her very existence. And I discovered the love for my mom I never knew was humanly possible. At the time, strangely enough, my mom was actually upset that I got born again. And she began to persecute me because we were going to a church where they didn't believe in this born again thing. and was very traditional. And you have to go to this church. And she was pressing me. And, and, and I'm like, no. But the more she persecuted me, the more I loved her. Because the more I realized that blessed are you were known, persecute you, cast out your name as evil for my sake. Rejoice, because great is your reward in heaven. She's storing up for me great reward in my father's house. So rather than a persecution generating any hate or anger, I just found this. 
you know, there are days where she would say, if you go to church, I'm not going to feed you. And she wouldn't feed us truly. And then I would go outside and I would just be singing praise. And she looks at me and thinking, this boy has gone crazy. What have they done to my son? But I was rejoicing because I had the joy of being able to share in his suffering and in his persecution. Because he was storing for me a treasure with my father in heaven. And I remember she took me and said, I know these people you're talking to, they don't know the Bible. I'll take you to the elders in my church. They'll straighten you out. And those ones say to me, this born again thing you're doing, it doesn't work. And I looked at them and I said, look, I might not be able to challenge you theologically. But I can tell you one thing. I'm saved. My heart is not what it was before. If I can love my mom with the passion I love her now, that can only be God. That can only be... I was only 17. And I was talking to this 50, 60 year old. And I said, I may not be able to argue with you, but I cannot deny the reality of my life. I cannot deny the reality of the love that's been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. I cannot deny the fountain of love that flows, that every time she does things that should naturally, every 17-year-old, you kind of, you know, clash with your parents. But the more she did stuff that would naturally evoke anger or clash in me, I just found a fountain of love that I could never explain. And I said to them, I might not be able to explain it, but just look at my life. I know the reality of the love of God. It should have brought in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And I began to discover the tender heart of God. And I thought to myself, how could God know the most important, significant point of my life? The, almost the first point of transformation in my life, he put his hand on that gentle spot there. And that made a huge sense for me. And I began to understand when he talked about the Father's love and how much he cares for you. And I remember another story when we were finishing medical school and we were trying to apply for our internship. And in those days, you needed to know people in order to be able to get a place in the university. And I didn't know anybody. And myself and Tyre were engaged then. And we just got a result. Everybody was happy. And we went over to Tyre's house. And our parents are academics. They work in the university. So understandably, she has a place already because she's the son of a professor, as they do. So when we got home to our parents, the parents says, oh, congratulations. That's great. You're going to start your house job. Tyre, what are you going to do? I said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I actually, there is a, the, one of the professors in the church, actually I'm going to go to him and ask him for a reference, because I'm going to go back to Lagos and see if I can get a position. And they were like worried. And I remember Tyro looked at them and said something. He says, don't worry about Tyro. As long as he's right with his father, his heavenly father will look after him. And the parents just kept quiet after that. And we left, and I went back to the university. And I went to see this professor, and I said to him, Sir, could you give me a reference, because I want to go back to Lagos and look for a job. And he looked at me and said, Why would you want to go to Lagos? Stay here in Ibadan's, you know? And I'm like, but I don't have a job. And he says, no, 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 no. You know, when we were thinking about this, he's the one who actually does the list. He says, when we were thinking about this, and everybody was asked to bring a candidate, you know, God just brought you to my heart. I said, you've made such a blessing in the university chapel, it would be a shame to lose you. We still want you around. So what I've done is I've actually put you forward as my candidate. Now you're on the reserve list. And I said, no, no, there's no reserve list. And then we looked at it, and it was a typing error. Apparently my name should have been on the reserve list, but it wasn't there. And he called the secretary, changed it immediately. I said, look, some of those people on the original list, I know some of them are not staying. Because I know they've got somewhere. If you know anybody on that list who is not staying, go to them, get a letter from them to reject their offer, and you can do it. By the time we went back home that night to Tyre's house, 
I have the place for my internship in the university. And when we got back there, Tyo looked at his parents and said, what did I tell you? When Tyro is right with his father, it will look after him. And for me, that began the journey of knowing the Father heart of God. I was riddled with a lot of fear and a lot of angst when I got saved. And I discovered a passage of scriptures in Proverbs 16, verse 7 and 9. I'll, I'll use the King James Version because that was what we used to read it. It says, if a man's way pleases the Lord... The Lord will make his enemies to be at peace with him. And I got something from that word that changed the trajectory of my life. And God said to me, the pursuit of your life is to please me. You don't need to worry. That, then I'd come, from a, you know, I'd come from a background where there's so much about, you know, this demon here, you know, this powers here, this, you know, everybody was binding and losing, and you're trying to seek out every spiritual thing going on. It's all about spiritual warfare. And God said to me, son, your singular pursuit is to please me. Because when you please me, I myself will see to it. That all your enemies are at peace with you. And the way I understood that scripture is, God will take it upon himself to go and address the enemies, whatever that is. Whether psychological, emotional, physical, spiritual, material. And I said, Lord, this is such a freeing revelation. So when I wake up in the morning, the singular Pursuit of my heart is how do I please you, Lord? How do I bring the light to the heart of my Father? How do I live in intimacy with you? How do I live seeking your face? How do I lay my life just for you? And that changed my life. That changed the course of my life. All those fears just fell away. Because why should I be afraid of the dark? No matter what's in the dark, the Lord is looking after it. Why should I be afraid what's going to happen to me? I didn't have any connections or people. But it didn't matter. Because as long as my life was pleasing to him, it will see to it. And finally, just one more before I stop. The day I picked up my visa in the Irish embassy in Lagos to go and join Tyre to, co- to, to travel abroad. As I stepped to the door of that embassy, I heard the Holy Spirit whispering into my ears. It says, my word will take you further than your stethoscope will ever take you. It says, my word, son, will take you further than your stethoscope will ever take you. And when I picked up the phone, and myself and Tyre, we, we weighed that word, we prayed into it, and then we got an understanding of what God was saying. Your primary call is the ministry that God has put upon your life. Your, your, your medicine is to pay and help you to be able to do what God has called you. So, my medical career is not my primary calling. It is my secondary calling. My primary calling is to still pursue it. It's to, to see how do my life please my maker. Everything else is to enable me to fulfill that primary calling. And I tell you, at many junctions in the last, it's exactly 20 years when we left Nigeria. At many junctions in those 20 years, I have come at crossroads where I needed to make decisions. 
and say, what is going to be right for me here? And that wisdom from God has always helped me to know what the right decision was. Because anything that had a clash with the call of God upon my life, I knew it had to give way. I had made decisions that when you look at it purely from a career point of view, it didn't make sense, and it looks as if you were not doing the right thing. But he knew it was the right thing because it was the right thing for what God has called me to do. And as I was thinking about this, I said, God, you, you do have a sense of humor, don't you? Because I'm standing in this church tonight, the privilege of bringing God's word to you. And yet when I came to Durham, I was wrestling with God when he says, this is where I want you to be. And I'm like, Lord, I think I, I want to be somewhere else. But he says, actually, for this season, this is what I want for you. But then I have learned that the pursuit of my life is to please him. For some of us who have heavenly fathers, we may be tempted, like the youngest son, to take all the belongings and go. That's never been a temptation for me. Because there is no place out there for me. To leave the father's house and go away has never really been a major temptation for me. I think the biggest temptation of my life is not to fall into the older brother's category. Where I begin to revile others. Where you get curious about all these other guys who just disobey God and do whatever they want. And they still manage to come back. And they still not to get any consequences for it. But for me, I knew I couldn't go there. Because I knew what my life was out there. I was already out there. For me, it's an adoption into God's family. And this family, this, this walk with God, this discovery of the Father heart of God has given me more than life will ever give me. And the singular pursuit of my life is to please Him. Because as long as I please Him, I know that I am safe and I am secure in my Father's house. Now, I don't know your story. I don't know what your knowledge or your experience of the Heavenly Father is. I've just given you those little steepness to give you an idea about how caring, how thoughtful, how much it will look at the very, very minute details of your life. But it's not just about the privileges of sonship. There is a responsibility. The responsibility is that call to wholly embrace the Father. It's that absolute surrender because nothing but absolute surrender to your Father's will and purpose will do. You cannot serve Him half-heartedly. That's the experience of the older son. That's the experience of the prodigal. That's when your mind begins to drift away. You cannot come into the fullness of what the Father has for you when your life is not fully and wholly committed to Him. You can understand why the younger son probably thought, I would just be a hireling. Because at least as a hireling, I can make a way sometimes if I get fed up. If we have a fallout, I can just say, okay, well, I'm going, I'll go and look for another job. Because when you decide to be a son, it's a total committed responsibility. Because the son's ultimate goal is to reflect the father. There's no way out. You're nailing, you're nailing yourself to that mast. You're making the ultimate call and you're saying, I completely and totally surrender. And often that is the challenge. And lastly, before we go into time of ministry tonight, as we look at the Father, as we look at the journey with the sons, the ultimate call is not the redemption of the younger sons, 
or the older son. The ultimate call of God for each one of us is that we become fathers. God is not just calling us to be sons. He matures us as sons and he wants us to step into the role of fatherhood. And the authority, the spiritual authority of fatherhood in the household of God is the authority of compassion. It's not a positional authority. It's not a chronological authority. It is not power. It is not control. It is the authority of compassion. Paul says you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. The ultimate call of God, child of God, is that you step into your father's role. That you become a father in his house. That you are the ones who is now welcoming the younger son and the older son and restoring them to the place where the father was. And Jesus says, as the father sent me, so I send you. When he said to Jesus, show us the father. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And if he's sending us the way he was sent, when you see us, you've seen the father. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Because Jesus says, you don't, know, you don't need to go and look for the Father anywhere. Just look at me, look at my life, look at my character, look at my reflections, and you see the Father. So each one of us has been bought, redeemed, the we can display the character, the splendor, the majesty of our Heavenly Father. We are true sons. Our father's genetics is in us. We carry the genes of our father. We sang that song yesterday. His blood flows through our veins. When his blood flows through our veins, it reveals his character. It reveals his nature. It reveals who our heavenly father is. And that was the design from the beginning. Because the Bible says, he made them in his own image. In the image, he made them. That was the design before he got corrupted. That has always been the heart of God. That through his creation, we will reveal who our Father is. So as we go away from this weekend, as we, as he welcomes us home, the ultimate design, the heart of God, is that each one of us, you and I, will step up and become fathers in his house. And the provision is available. The grace of God is available to be fathers in our kingdom. But in order to become fathers, it's going to take total surrender. Because we must embrace all that God is. We must embrace all that God is. There's no room for anything else. We must completely and totally embrace Him in all of His fullness. And then we will see a manifestation of the Father's heart of God for us. As we close tonight, I really believe God wants to put a seal upon us. And as I was praying about this, I felt the Lord actually giving me some specific words for some specific people. And I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget it. And I wrote the time it told me that. If the band wants to come up, we're going to go, just prepare to go into some time of ministry now.
when the father met the sons, in that moment, there was a transaction. And throughout this weekend, one of the things we've really cried out to God, and one of the things God has assured us that in the moment, we're going to feel the touch of our father's heart. And so, wherever you are right now, I just want you to open your heart to him. Your father's touch is here. His hand of welcome is here right now. And as that song says, and actually when we were praying just before the service, I think somebody brought that word, actually. That's not whether the father is here or not. It's whether we are going to respond to his welcome. So tonight is about our response. The Father is here. His heart is here. He's never gone anywhere. It's about our response. Who is going to say, I'm embracing all that the Father has for me? That's the choice we have to make tonight. The provision is there. The heart of God is there. The compassionate heart of God is here. But He seeks a response from our heart. Kester, will you come up, please? Is that Okay. Will you mind coming forward? Yes. Can I have some of the members of the ministry team just stand around her? When I was praying yesterday morning, exactly at 7.15 a.m., the Lord began to speak to me and asked me to say this to you. The Lord wants to give you a fresh revelation of his heart in these coming days that will help you to unlock the riches of his grace in your life and bring a restoration to the fullness of his inheritance so that your life will be a wonder and a miracle to many. For that which is impossible with man is possible with God. I know in your heart, you ask, how can this be? But like Mary and Sarah, I declare to you that it will be by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So, receive an infilling of the Spirit right now. We'll do that. I'll get people to pray with you. But at this moment, I just feel the Lord has something for you, for yourself. Claire, will you come up, please? Can I have some people come around Claire, please? As I was praying about this, I just felt the Lord saying to me, this is just a little picture of what the Father's heart is about. This is how He seeks us. This is how He cares for us. This is how He pays attention to every detail of our hearts. So as you're sitting down there, I just want you to begin to connect with Him. I believe there are things that the Lord wants to do with you and in you right now. 
So as you're following me, please just be open to the work of the Spirit right now. The Father is walking through this room right now. And He's doing things with people. Claire, I just feel the Lord wants me to say to you, remind you that He is our Father. And we know that's that endearing word. That's Daddy. He is your Daddy. Your Daddy's little girl. And your Daddy dotes over you. And you should never feel that He's forgotten you. That you're not as important, you're not as precious as those other sons. He never compares you with any of His other children. Because you're unique and special in your own way. He says He sees your heart and He knows your longing. And He wants to remind you, all that I have is yours and you're always with me. So come into your Father's glory. Come into the joy of your Father's inheritance. All that the Father has is yours. Is there anybody called Diane here tonight? Is there any Diane in the house? In a moment, we're just going to respond to that song and we're going to start to pray. Before we, before we leave tonight, I'm going to be asking for the elders to just go around. And we're going to pray for every single person here tonight. It's not, a, it's not, it's not an issue of a long prayer. It's just a prophetic declaration. We're standing as fathers in this house and we're declaring the blessings of God. And putting the seal of that which God has begun. But as you're sitting here, I feel the Holy Spirit is saying to me, God is doing some work right now. And for some of you, you're beginning to catch a fresh revelation of the Father's heart. It's beginning to remind you, maybe things you've forgotten. It's beginning to stir things up in your heart. The Father wants to meet with you. He's gently tapping you and calling your attention in your spirit, man. Don't lose sight of that. Gaze upon it. He wants to have a moment of intimacy with you right now. Right now.